Hi everybody, welcome back to the Irish NFL show presented by Pundit Arena. We've had some amazing guests on over the last few weeks and months, both before and after the Super Bowl. This next guest needs no introduction, star of NFL Network and also the Rich Eisen show on NBC Sports on Peacock, hopefully over here very mm. soon as well. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend, Rich Eisen. Rich, how's it going, man? How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks for Good. having me. And uh, I got to give a shout out to uh, Brian O'Leary. Shot is shot. I don't know how you got my email, but you sent me an email. And I'm thinking to myself, if there, if there's an Irish NFL show and somebody reached out to me and found my email and sent this wonderful, you know, missive and invitation, how do I, how do I say no? So here we all are, all five of us right now. Well Good done, job. Brian. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody said to me in a while. These these guys don't talk nice to me. Well, if we weren't socially distant right now, uh, separated by thousands of miles, I'd, I'd hug it out with you right now. <laughs> Rich, there is a, no better feeling on that first Sunday in September than seeing your face on the screen week Thank one you. after we went seven months without football. And <laughs> we're, a, we're, a, we're a little while away yet, and I guess this will do for now. Have you any Irish heritage yourself, Rich? Have you ever been to Ireland? I have not. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, I despise Notre Dame. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, right here, I went to University of Michigan, so um, I have no Irish descent that I, you know, that I know of. But um, I, I do love uh, the Irish people that I come across, or anybody that I do know, and respect uh, and admire the passion of uh, the fan base. And um, I'm, you know, I know, does that make you have to be a Steelers fan if you're living in Ireland? And okay, I'm seeing a lot of head shakes. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of head shakes. And I'm sorry, you'll, you'll know when you interview me that I'm a host for a living. So I normally, I, I, it's like a control thing. I'm sorry if I'm like asking you questions, I'll just sit back and continue on with you. Uh, let you have your own show. So my apologies. Uh, well, you are a household name as, as a host, Rich, and, uh, you know, as Michael alluded to, like, I mean, what a, what a career that continues to, to go from strength to strength, but you have interviewed, like, NFL players, coaches, GMs, you've interviewed actors, comedians, and a president. Um, wondering if you could share maybe some of your favorite memories and some of your favorite moments from, uh, from your time interviewing. Well, I mean, I've been very fortunate to do what I do for a living. Um, and, you know, when I was offered the opportunity to launch NFL Network in 2003, um, you know, the NFL had been um, uh, a major, um, a major North American sport in America for quite some time, but it was just beginning to reach um, uh, its, its ascendancy as an everyday 24 seven, 365 day a year um, conversation, you know, as you had mentioned, Michael, before that it's seven months in between games. When I first launched NFL Network or was part of it, the question was, what is the NFL going to actually talk about in those seven months? Why would there be something that is uh, a nonstop uh, generating content generating machine uh, for a sport that only plays five months of the year. And we got that a lot with NFL Network, but as obviously uh, you can attest, having a show that we're talking about this sport right now in March, you know that right now things are beginning to heat up um, on the free agency front. And 
an obscenely, uh, an absurd number of uh, well-known NFL players are about to change teams. It's really going to be a fascinating ride over the next two weeks leading into an NFL draft that leads into also um, the schedule being announced and more practices if we can get through COVID best we can and hopefully start a 2021 training camp season on time. It's really something that never stops. In terms of, you know, what I've been able to do, um, you know, just one thing in particular, it's, you know, being able to talk every day. I mean, I, you were kind enough to point out the number of luminaries that I've been fortunate to, to have in front of me and an interview. Um, the, the Super Bowls stand out. The fact that I've been hosting a draft since the middle aughts um, has been something that I, I truly uh, cherish. Um, and um, I can't wait to get back at it. Rich, I recall a great story uh, from a few years back when you were in London with the NFL Network team and you went out for dinner. We're happening to watch a Jets victory against the Cowboys. Yes, Brian. Yes. And you've been fortunate now to commentate both at Wembley and at Tottenham um, for two games over two different seasons. Um, are you taken back by the enormity of the game, this side of the world and how important it is to the fans here? Well, I just love talking to you for, you know, um, although, you know, Mark, you and I have yet to converse, but um, I assume you'll unmute at some point and, and we will talk. But, um, you know, yes, just the fact that, you know, here you are, uh, I'm, I'm sure I have an accent to you, you have one to me, and yet we're, we're, we're all bonded by a love of this sport. Um, and I, I do... I am blown away, you know, certainly at Wembley. I know the, the historic nature of that stadium and the turf um, that we Americans ruin for all the footballers that got on the pitch afterwards, fully well aware of that. Uh, Tottenham is one of the, you know, the new Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium there um, is as good as any facility I've been in anywhere. It is state of the art. It was awesome to broadcast from there. And one of the things I, I particularly enjoyed about that was being told how um, Tottenham fans, because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the home team for the game at Tottenham, uh, hot, Tottenham fans were basically eating it from Arsenal fans because the Bucs have arsenal colors that were draped all over the home of tottenham and i particularly enjoyed that arsenal fans were enjoying the bucks putting us not their colors but arsenal's colors in the stadium and i have since asked a member you know i i, I since then went and chatted with some of the the rams organization uh subsequently because i know the rams when the rams play they play in um in Wembley when they've come over um, and I've told him, I'm like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try Tottenham. And they reminded me that the Rams are owned by Stan Kroenke, who's, you know, as you guys are all nodding your heads, the owner of Arsenal. And he, he would never bring the Rams into the home of Tottenham for that alone. And I just love the cross pollination of the fervor, the fan further fervor, of both our versions of football. And I know ours is the one that is more provincial rather than worldly, but um, I just do love, and I missed the, the UK games this year. 
and can only hope that we can run that thing back in 2021. And that I do get to, uh, you know, the rumor was, is that <clears throat> we were going to um, have two games on NFL Network broadcast from the UK and back-to-back -back weeks, and we would stay there. We would call one and stay there, which is great because our, our, um, our jet lag getting out there, it's just, it's, you know, it's quite a bear. So I would love to spend time. Love it. Well, I mean, Rich, the, the, the story, obviously, about the Arsenal fans, I am an Arsenal fan as well. Uh, is, so you know, is absolutely you, so you loved it, right? You loved, loved it, right? loved it. And of yeah. course, I mean, you're talking about the connections. The Bucks, obviously, owned by the Glazer family, you also yes. own uh, Manchester United. Yeah, so but they're, they're, they Glazers are a four-letter word over there, right? Isn't it technically? There, there, there might be some Man United fans that have some interesting views on them. We'll, we'll, we'll leave That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, but, uh, you know, I love um, you telling us, obviously, about being in London. We're just amazed you survived dinner and probably the after party with Michael Irvin. That was probably a feat in <laughs> itself. So. But um, I'm fascinated by the fact, you know, you've 17, 18 years now with the NFL mm. Network. And as you alluded to, when you started, like this was a, an insipid kind of cable network channel. People were questioning its existence in many ways. And now yes. it's a behemoth and you are the face. You are you know, very much the front of the NFL network. You've now on your fourth president, your second commissioner, mm. probably about 14 Jets coaches in that time as well. <laughs> well done. So, um, but I think for fans all around the world, one thing that you do every year, and unfortunately you won't get to do, does stand out as a bit of a moment, which is you immaculately dressed in your suit, taking to the field in Indy and running a 40-yard dash. And, you know, I mean, 6.77, I just want to remind you of your first ever time on that. I mean, that's yes. even slower than Tom Brady, for our sake. So it is. did you ever think when you started this and you were just doing this no. for a laugh, it would be like, what, 15 years later, still doing No, so to, to correct you, um, I was not able to do it this year at the Combine because the Combine was canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. But I am going to run it. I'm going to run it next month. And we are currently arranging the circumstances by which I can run, hoping to really kick it up a notch to raise as much money as possible for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is a, a wonderful campus and a, a heavenly place on earth in the state of Tennessee here in the United States, where um, children who are sickened by cancer and stricken by cancer come from all over the country and and don't see a bill for uh, any of the services and the families come. So they don't see a bill for transportation or lodging, or of course, the most important thing, which is the healthcare, which over in the United States costs money from people. So uh, I just wanted to set all that up to say that when I first started it, it was not done at any point in time with the idea of it growing into anything, let alone anything that can actually be used to raise money for an important cause. It was <clears throat> born out of most anything in the profession of uh, television or television presenting, uh, which is sheer boredom, um, out of absolute sheer boredom. And um, it was Terrell Davis, uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, future Pro Football Hall of Famer, and at the time, a, a Super Bowl MVP who had just retired from the NFL. He and I were sitting in the stands of the old RCA Dome, which has now uh, currently been demolished to make a parking lot for the new home of the Indianapolis Colts, Lucas Oil. 
we're sitting in there and I asked him, you know, hey, we're bored. We got an hour and a half to, to record or two hours to work recording our show for that night. Like, how fast do you think I can run the 40? He said, when? I said, now. And I was dressed in a suit and he laughed. I cursed at him and then went down on the field and ran in my suit and shoes, lace up dress shoes. And as you pointed out, I ran it in 6.77 seconds and had no idea that the crew that was on break at the time did have somebody not only on the field with a camera, but also in our remote truck recording the event. And they surprised it with me that night on, on television and showed how slow I ran, 677. And then, you know, slowly but surely, uh, we ran it a couple times that year, ran it meaning airing it a couple times that year, and coaches were now requesting to see it at my expense when they were stopping by to be interviewed. The following year, uh, Mike Holmgren, who was then the coach of the Seattle Seahawks after winning a championship with the, the Packers, he said to me, are you going to run it again this year? I said, no, I, I think I'm going to get hurt. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, we want to see it. People want to see it. You got to do it. So I'm like, if Mike Holmgren's going to tell me to do it, great. So I ran it that year and then a few more years later and then actually hurt myself one year running it for a third time in dress shoes and my hamstring basically exploded. I'm like, well, we can't air it. Mike Mayock, who's current Raiders general manager, who was my colleague on the air at the time, said, you have to run it. That's exactly what this is about. It's about being like everybody else. And we ran it then and, you know, and I got out of the dress shoes, put on running shoes, so I didn't hurt myself. And then the, uh, for people who've seen it, the uh, technology of overlaying an, a 40 yard dash from past years over the current year. So, um, and also from current players over my 40, added a very slapstick visual element to it that kicked it into the absurd comedy range. And then we turned it into a charity event. And now here we are. So I'm going to run it this year. It's going to be in April. I hope um, to run it fast. Good luck to me. I don't think I will, but I'm going to do it. No, good, I will good do man it. and good man to you for obviously Thank you, Mark. great calls with St. Jude's. And maybe you that. can get some uh, hints from uh, Dion Sandcastle or Jerry Ricecake. Uh, I would love it. Very well done. You guys are diehard fans of the sport. This yes. is amazing. I love it. And the network too, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, we're, 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 I can't even talk. We're very lucky. We, we can obviously watch a lot of the content now over here on Sky Sports. Rich, sure. have you got uh, time for one like quick fire question? Sure. Is, is Go that for okay? it. Yeah. 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 You're talking there about being diehard fans. You can imagine my wife's face when I told her in bed last night at five minutes to midnight that Doc Prescott had been uh, well, you signed an extension and I had to get out of bed to compose a tweet. Um, it's difficult being a fan over here, but it's all good crack, as we say in Ireland. What's your thoughts just on that Dak Prescott move? As we've spoken there, Malcolm Butler's just been released from the Titans as well. Oh, okay. Um, so we're breaking news. Um, so um, I don't know. Um, let's just put it this way. I'm a little bit more dismayed about the state of your marriage than Dak Prescott signing <laughs> with the Dallas Cowboys, if I may be so bold michael um you know but that's your business it's very hard um, now rich on a sunday night between 6 p.m and midnight to no, get I, red zone on the like see, see the main tv it's 17 weeks it's difficult but it works it's worked yeah it's okay and god bless your wife god bless your wife um for you know sorry honey i gotta leave bed at midnight to send out a tweet about dak prescott you are dedicated to your craft sir and i tip my cap if i was wearing a cap to you um Look, it, it's it's something that the Cowboys uh, 
waited on and it cost them some money. You know, it's not like Jerry Jones is going to have one less trip on his yacht, you know, I mean, so he won't miss it in terms of his money and he doesn't care if it's going to cost another team, the ability to beat him. And he doesn't care the cost if it gets him the fourth Lombardi trophy that he's been seeking since 1995. And uh, Dak is the best quarterback for the for the job. The other quarterbacks that could be available to the Cowboys this year, if Dak wasn't the guy, I mean, that was never in danger. They would have franchise tagged him again to keep him on the roster. But, you know, the alternatives being what? Um, Russell Wilson is not going to be leaving Seattle, I don't believe. And they wouldn't want to spend the draft capital or player capital to go get him um, that they don't have to spend in order to re-sign Dak. So Deshaun Watson's not being traded within the state of Texas either, even if Deshaun Watson does get traded away from Houston. That's a pipe dream also. And the amount of capital that they would have to spend to get him is not what they're spending to get Dak. So it's, it's odd for me to sit here and say that somebody who they just signed to a four-year, $160 million contract is cheaper than the alternatives, but he is. And um, and I, I just think the pressure will be on. I think he will handle it well because he's bet on himself his entire career. So betting on himself now is nothing new. So um, I, that makes them the favorites in the NFC East. If he is healthy, it makes them the favorite to go deeper in the NFC. And he's being paid like, the Cowboys expect it to happen. So all in all, it's going to give all five of us on the screen something delicious to um, to watch and feast on and talk about, which is, you know, amazing. And uh, unfortunately, though, um, what's your wife's name, Michael? Let's give her a shout out here. I'm you're, on mute. Just, Lynn. Lynn, okay. Lynn suffers through red zone and obviously... Game day okay. morning now. And I do feel the need, Michael, that I need to point out to those who might be listening to this, that the delay wasn't you remembering your wife's name or recalling <laughs> it. It was you to unmute your microphone to say her name. I yes, want to have your yes, back here. Okay. I want to have your back here. Appreciate that it, delay man. was not awkward, that you were tra- trying to conjure up the name of your beloved wife. But um, she is going to have to have 3 a.m. wake ups because Dak's going to play big games. And um, and they're going to be tweetable, tweet-worthy, win or lose. Rich, one of the other, um, following on from maybe um, what you were just talking about, one of the other delicacies we are feasting on this offseason is the speculation around Deshaun Watson. And I yes. know you've been discussing it on, on your show uh, a little bit. Um, what are your your thoughts on the, the situation and, and where do you think he, he is in, uh, in September? Gosh almighty. I, you know what? Um, I've been saying it like this in the NFL, there's two doors when it involves, um, you know, a player uh, of this caliber and door a is let's win with this guy. And when it's a holdout, it normally deals with money and it deals with money and it deals with um, contract and let's hold this guy. We're going to stick with this guy. I don't care if he says he's not going to play for us anymore. He will miss a paycheck. And then at some point we will pay him and he will get paid and everything will be wonderful and what have you. 
And door B is the godfather offer, as it said, the proverbial offer that cannot be refused that teams will eventually give because they feel that door A will be untenable for various reasons, that the player really won't ever play for more again, or the team won't pay this player, and it's going to get ugly, there's going to be acrimony, it's going to be ugly, so let's offer player, uh, let's offer uh, a door B that will force the team to say door A is no longer as palatable, it's no longer as attractive as door B, door B is so much better. The problem is for the Texans is that door A is not going to be fixed with money or security contractually because Watson just received that last year. It's something that door A can only be fixed apparently is if door A is owned by somebody completely different and that's not going to happen. So to me, there's only one door and that's door B that will for the Texans replenish the draft choices that were given away by the previous administration, whose replacements pissed off the guy sitting in door A. And also door B will also not only replenish the draft choices, but it will potentially fill your cup over that because the teams calling in door B are desperate or potentially desperate to the point where you also have two teams in door B potentially sitting there, although I'm hearing the Jets are going to just stay the course, but the Jets and the Dolphins are in the same division with each other. So, uh-oh, who's going to wind up with Deshaun? Should we prevent the other team from getting him? Is it possible the 49ers sit in door B? Is it possible the Bears sit in door B? There's a lot of teams that are sitting in door B that can be played off of one another to make this a much more palatable and attractive door than the door A that they seem to be jamming their heads through right now. I only see door B. The Texans apparently only see door A. And I don't know the answer to your question, if that makes any sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. Okay. So, you know, that's the way I feel about it. I don't know when it's going to, I don't know. The, the timing of it is going to have to be the draft, I think, because um, it certainly doesn't appear to be next week, which is what it would be for me because many teams that sit there in door B to make their attractive offer might go away because they've already made a deal with another free agent. That won't be Deshaun Watson, but at least they made that move. The Rams are already one of those teams. They'd be sitting there in door B, but they went and said, screw it. We'll go make this deal with Matthew, for Matthew Stafford. Now they're out of the Watson game. So, um, and the Jets might be sitting there in door B right now, but in three weeks, they might actually meet Zach Wilson from BYU and fall in love with him and say, that's our guy. Why are we trading all this stuff for somebody who, who's already on you know, a second contract costs nine figures, no matter how great he is? So, Well, Rich, that actually brings me to, to my question because I, I'm conscious you are a Jets fan at heart. And I, I listened to Peter King on your show yesterday morning and he said the Jets are the most intriguing storyline of the offseason because there's three scenarios in play. One is to stick with Darnold. Two is to go with the fast emerging quarterback and Zach Wilson, who this time last year was in a three-way tie for the quarterback position in BYU, or did he go all in with the chips and, and go for Deshaun Watson as a fan? And no. What would you, what, what would you, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think I, I'd love to have Watson, but the more I think about it, the, it just depends on how expensive he'll be, you know, in terms of all the draft choices you do have my colleague who I do the combine with now, Daniel Jeremiah, um, he, he basically said that the Jets are in a Noah's Ark offseason because they need two of everything. So, uh, you know, and I haven't seen Zach Wilson enough yet to have an opinion on him. 
uh, it's just, you know, I feel for Darnold because, you know, uh, many people began to sour on him. Um, and then they soured on him for Trevor Lawrence. And then they soured on him for Deshaun Watson. And now many are souring on him for Zach Wilson. Um, and maybe he just deserves to have things built around him. So I don't know the answer, but this is going to be, again, having a front row seat over the next six weeks is going to be pretty amazing. It's a, it's a bit weird, Rich, that the grass is always greener when you're still sitting there with a 23-year-old quarterback draft in the That's first no round. No doubt about it. So it's no question about strange. it. I'm just actually thinking, and Brian mentioning you're a Jets fan, I can only imagine being also a UN alum, Tom Brady's called you quite a lot of pain, but also quite a lot of pleasure back when he was uh, in the Well, look, my, my, my wife is from the New England area. Um, I could not, uh, when we had children, insist they become Jets fans for two reasons. One, because my wife uh, and, you know, uh, you know, Michael, my, my wife would not be nearly as um, uh, understanding by a midnight tweet uh, as yours, mm-hmm. um, nor would she be as understanding if I said to them, you know, don't listen, don't root for your mother's team who's quarterbacked by the most perfect human being that my wife would absolutely leave me for. Um, you know, it would be a tough sell. Plus child services would take my children away if I insist they become a Jet fan while Tom yeah. Brady was doing all the stuff he was doing for New England. I was, so I was about to say the authorities would have a word for it. We no. call it a win-win. We call it yeah. a win-win, Mark, and just chalk it up to that. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, Rich, I mean, I, I'd probably leave my wife Tom Brady as well. So I, mean, yeah, you know, I, can, I can understand where she's coming from. Everybody's on the same page. Exactly. But look, finally, I, I did want to ask you, obviously, we, we've alluded a bit to the draft, and obviously we're building up now the excitement of free agency, then it's all the excitement of April. And you've been, as we said, the host of the NFL Network, you know, you're you're there in the room, you're obviously in COVID times, it's a bit different. You've had the experiences and the fun of people like Mike Mayock, who was mm. such an amazing analyst and obviously doing uh, fantastic things, really, in terms of the team he's building there in the Raiders. And I still thought him and Gruden were going to get it last year, or maybe they'll get it this year. But in your experiences of the draft, is that something you look forward to? Or is it something oh, immensely. Like, oh, oh, gosh. No, Mark, I love it. It's so great. It's, it's you know, my, my job is to, um, you know, place you in my shoes. Um, you're the fly on the wall with me, you know? And, um, and, and I love the energy of a draft and the storylines uh, that, that converge of dreams that come true for the prospects and their families. Um, the hopes and dreams of all the fans who think that who's just been drafted is the next Tom Brady and is going to answer all the dreams and all the love of, of, of everybody, you know, um, making, making uh, the franchise become a championship team. Like everybody thinks their draft choice is gonna be the winner. It's, it's everybody's um, hopes and dreams revitalized. All 32 teams feel like they've just had the greatest draft ever. Um, I do love being in a, the mission control seat of, of, um, of talking about who's next and what they need and, and playing off and having fun. Um, I do love it. I love all of it, and um, it's kind of it's kind of the off-season Super Bowl, um, and I do you know have kind of a depressed feeling after that. But the best part about it is we are only a few months away from seeing it all cash. I can't wait for it. It's great. I want Rich. It's it's one thing answering our request and coming on, but it's 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 another thing being so glorious for your time, and, and we massively appreciate it, man. And you just mentioned in there about the the the, the first week of the season. I take you back to two or three years ago when you were shouting. 41-year-old man, Tom Brady, that's when it hit me 
the season started. I couldn't believe it, man. But I can't wait till that, that day it comes back and, and we massively appreciate your time, man. And you're more than welcome to come on and we owe you a few uh, copious pints of Guinness for your time. Well, when I come back out to uh, the UK, if you want to meet up, let's let's do that. And we'll we'll do this in person. And I I appreciate the the proper send off, Michael. I was about to pull a Piers Morgan and just leave. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm more of a conventional goodbye guy. Um, so I didn't realize I, I hit the states. It. I didn't think that was such, it was it was such a big deal in the states. But yeah, it was oh yes. here this morning. So. Well, Pierce is Pierce is on CNN many many years. We all know who he is. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> like to lumber Eisen. off a set and never to return. So I appreciate the proper send off here. Rich Eisen, thank you, man. Pleasure. You bet. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Rich.